Good morning, Grace. Merry Christmas. It's good to be back here. I was last here at homecoming, so I always love coming back home, especially to this church. Now, as I was preparing this sermon this week, I was thinking about my time here at OSU. And while I was studying here, I was studying history. And as I was thinking about my time going to classes, I was thinking about the First World War. It's a time of history that I'm really interested in. And during World War I, trench warfare was very brutal. The Allies and the Germans were locked in trench warfare, and in between the miles and miles of trenches, there was an area of land called No Man's Land. It was filled with blood and bodies and twisted knots of barbed wire. There was nowhere to hide out there. And so soldiers didn't want to cross during the day, so often they would make night raids under cover of darkness. A soldier's greatest fear during the First World War was a flare shooting into the sky. The flare would light up no man's land, and everybody who was in no man's land would be in danger. Today we're going to be looking at the concept of gospel light in the book of 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 through 10. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10. through 10. You can use your Bibles, your phone, or look behind me at the passage. Just get your eyes on God's Word. And as you turn there, think about the soldiers who were caught in no man's land. Think about how they were hiding from the light. Are you hiding from the light? Are you trying to hide your sins from God's light? Today, the Apostle John is going to teach us that because God is light, we must live in the light. And we live in the light in two ways. First, we live in the light when we see ourselves in God's light. And second, we live in the light when we run to the light source. Now, with that in mind, let's read 1 John 1, 5 through 10. Remember, this is God's word. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day where we can gather in your presence and worship you and study your word. We ask that uh, your Holy Spirit would open our minds and our hearts for what you would have us learn so that we may be transformed into Christ's image. In your son's name we pray, amen. Now the epistle of 1 John was written by John the Apostle. And he was writing to the churches in what is modern-day Turkey, in Ephesus and places like that. 
And John was at the very end of his life. He was probably the last apostle living when he wrote this. And so he was writing with great authority as the last living apostle. And he was writing to cities that were on the coast. They were very wealthy. They had connections to trading networks all over the Roman Empire. And as a result, idolatry, both material and spiritual idolatry, ran rampant. So John writes this letter as the last living apostle to correct false teaching and to help rein in the churches from idolatry so that they might live as they're called to. And as he writes, he focuses on two different topics throughout this letter. He writes about fellowship with the Trinity and fellowship with the global church. And in his introduction, John said that those two types of fellowship come through one person, Jesus Christ. He is the way that we experience love and fellowship. And so he writes this letter on that topic so that these churches that are battling with heresy might walk according to Christ's way. And these heresies that the churches were battling involved hiding sin. They wanted to hide their sin and pretend that everything was all right. Now those Christians, just like us, struggle with sin. But John is not going to have any of that. He's going to confront sin by telling his readers that because God is light, they too must walk in the light. And this brings me to my first main point. We walk in the light when we see ourselves in God's light. We walk in the light when we see ourselves in God's light. Look with me in verse 5. John writes, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The him to whom John refers is Jesus Jesus was pursuing his earthly ministry, and John, as an apostle, lived with him and spent several years listening and watching what Jesus was teaching. And if you read the Gospel of John, John talks a lot about the contrast between light and darkness. Jesus himself said that God is light. Now, what's it mean to say that God is light? Is God in every light source, or is he an ethereal floating orb of light? No, that's not what John is saying. He's using the metaphor of light to describe God's character and his holiness. God's holiness is incredible. It shines brightly, and it dispels all forms of darkness. And John uses words that heighten the intensity of the truth of God's holiness. He says that there is no darkness at all. Now, if you hang out with youth, you might hear them use their own intensifier. They might say, like, no darkness for real. That's what John is doing. There is no darkness in God. He is utterly righteous and utterly holy. And his righteousness is contagious. Look at the first part of verse 6. John writes, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. In church, we love the term fellowship. Fellowship hall, 
fellowship hour, a time of fellowship. We just throw it around. And we've lost some of the, the deep meaning of the word fellowship that John is thinking. The word fellowship means shared life together. It is intimate. The best way to think of fellowship as John means is to think of a marriage where you live with someone, you share life together, you're completely open with them. When you're married to someone, they often can tell what you are thinking without you saying anything. That's the type of fellowship that John has in mind. And so take that new understanding of fellowship, meaning an intimately shared life, and apply it to these passages. To have fellowship with God is to have an intimately shared life with the God of light. And having fellowship with a holy, light-giving God has a revealing effect on our own lives. The psalmist said that God's word is a lamp unto our feet. It lights up our, lights up our path, shows us where we go. When Israel returned from exile after being in Babylon and then Persia, they returned to Israel and then Ezra read the law to them for the first time in many years. When they were confronted with God's light, they sat down and they wept because they saw God's holiness and light and they saw themselves in that light. When I was a child, one of our friends had a piece of property and we would go out there in the falls to barbecue and picnic, have a good time with friends. And after the darkness fell, me and my other friends would scatter into the darkness to play hide and seek, airsoft, tag, whatever. And we would run through the creek, we would hide in the trees, and we couldn't see the mess we were making of ourselves because it was dark. But then we would walk back to the bonfire, and as we got closer to the light, begin to see the mud on the jeans and the blood from the, the, the vine that scratched our faces. And then when our parents would see us, they'd be like, great, now you can't get in the car. The Apostle John is saying that walking in God's light is similar. It has a revealing effect, and it shows us our sin. And John talks about three types of people who need to see with God's light. The first person who doesn't see themselves with God's light is the liar. Read verse 6 again. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. A person who's a liar claims that they see themselves in God's light, but then they lead a double life. It's as if they don't see God's holiness reflecting the sin on them. They want to convince others that they have fellowship with God while actually not having that fellowship. There's no evidence. Because if they saw the world and themselves in God's light, they would not pursue this double life. And John also writes about the liar, the second person, or I should say the self-deceiver. Look with me at verse 8. John writes, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The person who looks at their life and say, I have achieved perfection, I no longer sin, is deceiving themselves. John says that when you see 
yourself in the light of God and you compare him, yourself to his holiness and his perfection, you realize that you just haven't lived up to it. When the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, you recognize that you cannot match God's holiness and that you need God's mercy. The third person who does not see with God's light is the blind. Look at verse 10 with me. John writes, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This person claims that there was no sin in the first place. They look at God's light and say, "Mm, that's actually darkness. And they say that we have not sinned. That's an important phrase. The phrase means that there was nothing sinful to begin with. If I say I have never been to Chicago, there was, I have never been to Chicago. I never went there. I have never cheered for a Texas football team. There's no Texas football fandom in my life. The people that John is describing insist that they have never sinned, even when God's light shines and exposes the sin. John says that the word is not in these people because the Holy Spirit, when he shines a light in someone's life, he reveals the sin in all its ugliness and its horror. Walking in God's light exposes sin. So because God is light, you must walk in the light when you see yourself in God's light. Now what's that mean for us here today? We're not in modern day Ephesus. Our life looks very different from them. But we do share a lot of the same characteristics of materialism and idolatry. Maybe you're here today and you are leading a double life. You come to church on Sundays, you go to your community groups, but then Monday through Saturday, your life looks exactly like the rest of the world. You don't care what your life looks like. You don't care how you're departing from God's law. If that describes you today, then know that you do not have fellowship with God. If you have a dual life, tell someone about it. Tell someone here at the church about your dual life because there is forgiveness and mercy. Maybe you're here today and you do not think that you have ever sinned. You look at the Bible and what it says and you're like, no, God is wrong about that. You see that God says that sex is only between a married man and a woman, and you're like, that's not sinful. Sex can be between any two consenting adults. Or you see the Bible say, obey the governing authorities, and you say, God's wrong, I'll obey the governing authorities when I feel like it. Recognize that when you call God a liar, you are walking in darkness. Where in your life are you calling God a liar? Maybe you're here today and you think that you're now incapable of sinning. You've spent your entire life in church. You don't remember a time when you were not a Christian. And you think, I'm living up to God's standards. I'm doing pretty well. I haven't murdered anybody. Uh, I give to the poor. So I'm doing all right. Friend, John is saying that you are deceiving yourself. If you really understood the holiness of God, you would never think that. If the truth is inside you, you know that you cannot match up to God's holiness. When the prophet Ezekiel saw God in his holiness, he said that I sat there overwhelmed for seven days. 
seven days of sitting overwhelmed because of God's holiness. If you think you're doing pretty good, I want, you to encourage, I want to encourage you to read Matthew 5 through 7 this week when Jesus talks about God's law and how it connects to the human heart. Jesus says that what you do in your heart is, is actually doing it. And so church, when you see yourself in God's light, you recognize that all of us are either blind liars or self-deceivers at some point. God's light shows us who we really are, sinners. Because God is light, you must walk in the light, and you first walk in the light by seeing yourself properly in God's light. But what are we to do? God's light shines on on us, and we see our sins. We see our past sins, our present sins, and we expect there to be future sins. What are we to do with our dilemma of guilt? That brings me to my second point. Because God is light, you must walk in the light by running to the light source. You walk in the light by running to the light source. Look with me at verse 7. John writes, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. When John says, if we walk in the light, he's not saying that you have to do something to satisfy God and go to God. He's already proved that if we say we have no sin, we're liars. So what does walking in the light mean? Well, he's describing the lifestyle that comes from salvation, Someone who is walking in the light has been saved. And he goes on to describe a lifestyle that comes from salvation rather than earning salvation. You have fellowship with God when you walk in the light. And John lists two primary consequences of having fellowship with God in the light. First, you have fellowship with one another. There's that special bond that unites Christians of a shared lifestyle in Jesus And here in the United States, we struggle with thinking of our relationship with God as just me and Jesus. But John is not saying that's not true. We have fellowship with one another. We have intimate, marriage-like relationship of openness with one another. Ryan Baker and I have that fellowship with each other because of God's light. John talks about this a lot later in the letter. Another result of fellowship with God and being in the light is being cleansed of your sin. Look what John says. He says that the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, what is cleansing? It's the process of becoming holy. In the Old Testament, they had a lot of categories for being unclean. You could be unclean by touching something wrong, by eating something wrong, by sinning. You needed to be washed of your impurity. You needed to be made clean. When we walk in the light and have fellowship with God, you not only have fellowship with Christians, but you are cleaned. You are made pure. You're sanctified and washed. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, your very makeup is completely changed. And John makes a point to say that the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses. That's present. 
It is happening right now. Jesus is actively cleansing you of your moral impurity. That one sin that you cannot seem to shake, it's being cleansed right now. Of course, you can only walk in the light and obtain these benefits if you run to the light source. Look with me at verse 9. John writes, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. This is how you get all the benefits of life with God. You confess your sins. Confession is the very opposite of those other three categories we just looked at. Confession is the opposite of hiding your sin. It is revealing your sin. It is going to God, the source of light, and revealing the darkness that is inside. Confession is seeing yourself by means of God's light and acknowledging what that light reveals. And this is scary. This is scary to go to the to God, the source of light, and reveal the darkness within. God is all-powerful, all-consuming, and the brightest of lights. We were, re- we were singing just a few moments ago, let all mortal flesh keep silent. And in that song, it talks about how the cherubim and the seraphim veil their eyes because God is light, overwhelming light. God refused to show Moses his face because the light would kill him. This is the Holy One to whom we reveal the darkness within. But John says we have nothing to fear because he is the source of light and he is faithful and just to forgive. God is not only holy, he is merciful. I think John has Exodus 34 in mind when God approached Moses on Mount Sinai and announced his loving characteristic where he said that he's merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That is the light source to whom you're revealing the darkness within. He is loving and abounding in steadfast love. God is good to those who confess their sins to him, and he justifies and sanctifies the one who confesses their sin. Now, only one person makes this possible. That person is Jesus by his righteous life and his death. Jesus lived the righteous life that we could not. He came from the light source and came to this dark earth. He is the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. He came as a little baby and lived every moment of his life to the glory of God. He did what we could not. And then after living the perfect life, he died in hard places. He took the wrath of God for us. He killed our darkness on the cross. When you draw near to God in confession, you are saying, God, Jesus did it for me. I cannot do it. And then God forgives you and he sanctifies you. When you walk in the light by drawing near to the light source, notice what John says in both verses 7 and 9. John says that the blood of Jesus sanctifies you from every sin. God forgives you all your sins, and he he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. 
Every single sin that you have committed, are committing, or will commit in the future have been forgiven because at the cross it was finished. All unrighteousness is forgiven because of what Jesus did to you. So you can confess the darkness inside. Because God is light, you must walk in the light by running to the source of that light. And you must run to the source of light because that's the only way that you can be forgiven. Now, I've said this before, and I've probably told this to you before, but I'm petrified of the dentist. I hate going to the dentist. I don't like it when he shines his light in my mouth and he can tell that I love coffee and I eat too many sweets. But if I don't go, he cannot reveal the, the rotten teeth within and he cannot clean them of their, their filth. I have got to go in, open my mouth, and let him expose the darkness within. Otherwise, I'll have a mouth of rotten teeth. This is what John is saying in his epistle. Because God is light, you must run to the light source, because only then will you be cleansed. When we understand ourselves to be sinful and in need of a Savior, we can confess our sins and receive both forgiveness and sanctification. God will transform you in Jesus. Now, how do we run to the light source today in Stillwater, Oklahoma? Maybe you're here today and you see yourself in God's light, but you don't know what to do about it. This is your first time in church, or you've never actually approached God. If that is you, today, run to the light source by confessing what you've done to Jesus. All you have to do is believe that Jesus is enough and that his righteous life paid for your sins. If that is you today, turn to your neighbor at the end of the service and tell them that you believe in Jesus and they can help you and connect you with an elder here. If you're here today and you've been away from God for a long time, run to the light source. God is calling you to himself. Get involved in this church. Start going to a community group. Become part of this Christian community because there's fellowship here for you, intimately shared life. Run to the light source by becoming part of Jesus' church. If you've been a believer for a long time, you still need to run to the light source yourself. You can never be too close to Jesus. And you run to the light source by meditating on God's word. When you meditate on God's word every day, you see the darkness within and that light shines in all your nooks and crannies. God uses his word to reveal where, he, where you need him in your life. So this week... Try picking a portion of scripture and praying that portion word for word. Read a psalm or even this passage today. Just pray through it slowly. Let the light shine. God will plant his word in your heart and your mind, and you will find yourself guarded from temptation. When you find yourself bearing the weight of sin's guilt, pray the words of scripture Another way, we all live in a very busy 21st century lifestyle, so sometimes it's easy to forget to sit down and pray and spend time with God. Another way of 
letting the light shine and running to the light source is by praying one of the oldest prayers in Christian history. It's called the Jesus Prayer, and it goes like this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Just pray it throughout the day. Let the light shine and run to the light source. Because God is light, you must walk in the light. And you walk in the light by seeing yourself in God's light and running to the light source in your Savior, Jesus Christ. The soldiers in World War I, they feared light. Light meant death to them. But for you, church, light means life. Jesus is the light shining in the dark world, and he shines not to condemn, but to save. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your Son to rescue us. We need to be rescued. We get lost in our day-to-day lives and get caught up in our worldly cares, but we need you. So shine your light on us more and more each day and give us faith in our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen.